Welcome to another edition of Campus Life, the college half of our Campus to Canton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin and no Austin yet again. Uh, So I'm going to be continuing on the C2C strategy series here. Uh, We're going to be talking some CFF strategy in a C2C league. And I have on the absolute perfect person to be talking about this. My special guest, Mr. Eric Froton, at CF Froton on Twitter, the lead college football and NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports Edge, rocking the play college fantasy football shirt as we speak. Froton, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate you hopping on, giving me some of your time, because I know you are a very, very busy man right now. My brother, Colin Decker, of course. It's always a pleasure to join the campus, the Canton family. As everyone knows, you can watch my and follow my videos on Twitter. You see that uh, when the campus, the Canton boys gave me some merch at the Fantasy Football Expo last year, I put it to very good use. Absolutely. All right. Because obviously, all you guys love you Matt, Felix, Alfred, you, Jared, Kay, um, Katz, Nate. All the boys. I'm sorry if I missed anybody. I'm trying to make sure I get all the guys. Uh, you, you, you'll uh, never name us all. There's, there's too many. <laughs> <laughs> Barnabas. I'm sorry, Barnabas yeah. and, and Pete and PJ and Mike. Uh, everybody. I mean, uh, Mox, gee, Moxley, of course. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I don't want to forget any of the guys because I really do love uh, what you guys do. I think you're an invaluable resource. You know, Frank McCamps Canton from not just an analysis point of view, but the tools available on your website, people don't realize the advanced data that you can really parse through and cull on your website and really the work you've done on that. And uh, it's really, you know, when when people start to realize what you've done and hopefully as college fantasy football grows, Absolutely. you know, that resource will become uh, more and more prevalent as it should. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. All those tools and everything. I think that's that's honestly one of the things that really sets us apart. That's all Jarek, though. He's the mastermind. Oh, dude, he is an ace. (laughs) I'm sorry. Of course, I forgot Jarek. I feel like I I fanboy over Jarek to where, like... Everybody does. I think he gets... I don't think he wants me in his DMs anymore. He, uh, we we joke about it, but I think ESPN <laughs> might or, or NBC or or one of the big boys might be might come calling Dude, for him. We we uh, we worry about that every day. It, it, we, frankly, we lock him up when it all takes off, and it's gonna take off. I mean, it, it, I I think the whole network just gets absorbed. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't all of you just go to? A big one because it's coming. I, I believe that day's coming where the, where the world says we need our Saturdays in the fall to be just as impactful and, in my humble opinion, even more so than Sundays. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in your fantasy just, life, yeah. at least, you know, yeah. 131 teams to parse through, games all day, bullets are flying. And even though I love the NFL draft, what I love the most is when the bullets are flying and we're doing it live and the, everything is happening in real time, you know, and everything's happening even after the games are done. Well, the, the race is on, the clock is on to do as much as you can, absorb as much info, get as much data and game film as I can absorb, you know, and as we all can do during that week until the next set of games, you know? So uh, I, I love the the passion and the heat and and the thrill of the season. So yeah, that's why I love college fantasy football. That's why yeah. I'm here. 
It's and it's all week long too. You got matching on all Tuesdays. Oh, you got Thursday games, Friday games. Uh, and those matching games, they, those matching games decide championships. Those Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday games are vital because defense gets checked at the door. Okay, <laughs> you check your bags, you check your pipe. You know, you make sure that your vapes in there and your flask, and, and then you get in. And boom, you're ready to go. So uh, I, I, I'm telling you, there, there's nothing like it. And I think, you know, the more people who absorb uh, into C2C leagues, that trickles down over to CFF. And, and hopefully I can convince NBC to make college fantasy football a bigger presence on our network uh, in the fall when we debut the Big Ten, which we will be doing on primetime. We just acquire the Big Ten rights. So that's pretty exciting from a network point of view. That's huge. And, you know, if you need me to talk to Matthew Barry, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll send <laughs> him a DM. I'll, I'll hit him up. <laughs> Matthew Barry has no idea who I am. So, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> maybe someday he meets me. Yeah, I mean, he's at a he's at a different pay grade than old Proton, boys. I'm sorry to disappoint everybody. Maybe someday. I hope so. I hope so. We got, we, we'll get him in one league. We'll get him in one, one league. And we'll he's get, hooked. We're going to do it. He'll be hooked. Hopefully. I, I will beg. I will try to convey that message. Maybe I'll slip in the studio when I'm visiting <laughs> Connecticut in sometime in the next couple months and just, hey, hey, hey. Put it on his teleprompter. Play college fantasy football. Right, exactly. <laughs> just burgundy him. Yeah. I'll just burgundy him. Right. It's beautiful. Um, all right. Well, like you said, you know, you are one of the longest, if not the longest, tenured college fantasy football player that I know. Um, how long have you been playing uh, college fantasy football? Yes, I've been doing it. This will be uh, this year, year 23. Originally started in 2021, my first draft pick. I picked six overall in the inaugural NCAAF college fantasy football draft. And I took the immortal running back from BYU, Luke Staley. Now, I'm not sure, Colin, if you go far back enough to know about I I don't. I was I would have been six. You would so. have been six. Well, I mean, I'm I'm still surprised <laughs> because frankly, he had an all-American season uh for Brigham Young. And not only did he do that, but he was drafted in the seventh round by the Detroit Lions. And it's one of frankly one of the great one ifs, what ifs in my fantasy, college fantasy to pro world, what Luke Staley could have been if he didn't have an extremely arthritic and chronic shoulder condition that required him to uh, as I learned later on from some of his writings, obviously I, I've read up on Luke Staley yeah. over the course of the past two decades, and uh, arthritic, like real chronic shoulder condition that, frankly, he 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 put his later life on the line by taking some shots that, frankly, probably wouldn't be allowed nowadays. And he, at two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Ooh. 62 6'2", ran a 4-4 at the combine, okay? So for all you guys, I, I you know, let's do the math on that, on what, you know, the, the size draft adjusted. nerds yeah. in 2001 Yikes. were looking at for, for Luke Staley. It's like, he's, he, he, he could have been the next all-star. He had, like, that kind of stature, but he was faster. He was 4-4. That's inhuman. That's incredible. Like that's stuff that nowadays is popping eyes. And yeah, that's um, not even Saquon so, Barkley. <laughs> exactly. He's not even that like, big. Oh, dude, he was. Luke Staley was, was one of the the true great running backs of college. 
I love it. Uh, so tell me more about this, uh, the first draft here. I got a special request to ask about that. And oh. you talk about Mr. Luke Staley at six here. I, I hear this was a, this was a good draft. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, that particular draft that uh, my first of all time, uh, I won the inaugural NCAF draft. Naturally. And that Naturally. was, that was, that hooked me. I, I mean, you win in year <laughs> one. Well, Right on, you know, Kurt Kittner, Luke Getze. You guys probably don't know him, but I do. I, I went on to draft. Nope. Uh, Eli Manning was on that team. I uh, went on to draft Ben Roethlisberger at Miami, Ohio a couple that years later. Um, Matt Liner was my first ever Heisman winner. So, you know, the, the legacy lives on in the ring of honor for the Nordic gods. <laughs> That's a team. But, yeah, I, the, the one that Jared was referring to, though, is that was the, the way too early 2023 mock draft that we just did uh that of course jared cff jared of chasing the natty uh uh hosted because he is all hustle and all heart and we all love jared for it and um so he he's the he's the sicko that put us all together and i had the first pick so i was like all right jared you know, i was supposed to have my video in we all cut a like a five to eight minute video to have in for it i was like jared can you just, can you hold off the deadline for me a little bit? Cause I knew I was going to run the NFL PA bowl uh, to shrine bowl circuit from LA to Vegas to cover them. And I knew that at some point at the NFL PA bowl, I was hoping I'd be able to get a shot from the Rose bowl. And I did. So I was able to film and it was great. Cause I had the first pick, which was Caleb Williams. Yep. You know, I took classic. I, I, Frankly, I, I have Caleb anywhere I was able to get him. I have him uh, on a dynasty point of view in all my leagues and the NCAAF and all of them that I was able to get him because I just, I knew. Anyways, um, so because I took Caleb Williams to the first pick, here I am in the Rose Bowl and I'm the first guy that's leading off um, all of us because all of us cut a video, you know, all, all the 12 of us to explain our picks and just sort of go through some questions. So I'm leading off from the Rose Bowl where I got to, you know, have a nice open and talk about how here I am where Caleb Williams on November 9th beat the UCLA Bruins, the number one pick in the way too early draft. Caleb Williams here made UCLA, you know, da -da -da, beat them <laughs> and got to have, you know, a fun little uh, eight minute segments talking about the draft and just kind of going through what I thought, of course, but it was uh, all, all in good fun. And uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was obviously a great watch. Everybody should go check yep. out. If you want to get a look recommend. at literally, and this is literally, this is no doubt about it. The first draft that we have, that's a mock of the 2023 class. Cause we had to wait until January 15th to run it because we don't know what the class is going to look like and who's going to declare. So uh, Jared was all over it, did it. It's a, a really solid video. All the analysts are great, and they have really salient points that I think will translate in the drafts you'll be doing later in the year. Yeah, it's the sharpest group of, of drafters you're going to find. No doubt. And uh, just, I, I love listening to you guys when you when you do those way too early mocks. Like, I always go over to the Chasing the Natty YouTube channel. Uh, if you're not on, in YouTube, you can check them on the Campus to Canton podcast feed, listen to them in one of those two places. Every single time, you always learn something. Um, indeed my friend indeed so there's also cff dynasty leagues out there for anybody who doesn't know about that you know you got the cff redraft you got cff dynasty how long have you been playing cff dynasty for oh, yeah, this is my, a new one for me 
Sure. Well, I um I played, I guess, a keeper league. That was my okay. first league was keepers. So that's all I really know. You know, okay. I I personally, you know, the beauty of college football and the breadth of it having 131 teams is you can serve a lot of different masters, you know, like you can, you can have a lot of different little niches and styles, right? So some people like the DFS, you know, K particularly yep. Chris K is, is, a, is a genius. Like I defer to him. If he, he says he likes a guy, yes, sir. He's excellent. Um, and then you have other people who are more best ball oriented, you know, a couple of guys that we do with all the experts, we do 12 best ball leagues. It's run by Greg Brandt of the Debbie watch. Uh, and frankly, Clint Carlson, who's a writer out there, beat all. I mean, he smoked us those <laughs> leagues last year. So, like, he, he was, I mean, in terms of best ball, man, I, I bowed down to Clint. Um, and then I really enjoy, you know, there's the seasonal, of course. And that's a, a whole, you know, thing unto itself, which is like the Kings Classic League and the 50 teamer. But my favorite and, and what I really enjoy the most. And as you can probably tell from how I like to speak in long <laughs> sentences and enunciate that I like long form. So I am a dynasty guy from day one. We had keepers at least in every league I've done. And then the first leagues I got into in the expert realm were I mean, the first one. Uh, I did an IDP dynasty league that I got Ooh. into with a lot of the heavies that um, I ended up taking a team that was was down bad and and really bringing them up in a matter of, of one season from 2018 to 2019. And, uh, and I had a lot of success. I had the number one seed in the 50 team uh, league, which is run by Thor Nystrom, who is now of fantasy pros, uh, which is the biggest league that's in terms of teams, you know, I managed to get the one seed there uh, in 2019 and uh, just, you know, do uh, just this year. In fact, Nick, Ian Allen of CFB Winning Edge. He runs another big league that has 20 teams. It's the biggest dynasty league that I play in and that I know of. It has over a thousand players in the player pool, 50 player rosters out of the college universe. And luckily, 131 teams can support a league like that uh, and still have a, 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 frankly, a better waiver wire than the NFL. Yeah, oh, yeah, you absolutely. Yeah. Way better. We have a thousand players. Keep this in mind a thousand players plus injured reserve. Which is seven, and he is. Yep. Oh, dude, this is a thousand players. Yeah, there's plenty of guys in his reserve. So at any one time, like you have 1,100 to 1,200 player pool, at any one time, it's just it, it absorbed, and you still have a better waiver wire than what you're picking from the NFL. I mean, I I can't say enough about the, the depth of and the fun and the different strategies you can employ in the college fantasy football realm. So, uh, point is, yeah, I won that league that Nick runs, which is the biggest player pool, pretty much in in all of existence, uh, especially in a dynasty format this year. And uh, I really feel like I thrive in the long form building, uh, you know, looking ahead, identifying who's going to be next and coaching movement and stuff like that. Cause that's really what I walk out on is uh, the full picture of college fantasy football, the full life cycle soup to nuts guys coming in, how they are, where they're going. And frankly, that's something that I really attracted me to C2C is the art of the long form, you know, following the players. They're yours. Yeah. The, the earlier you can go, the more fun it is for me. How early can we go? Okay, C2C, <laughs> we're drafting freshmen that are coming in. Let's roll. I'm yeah. in. Let's, yeah. I, I, I watch the freshman tape anyways. It's not like I'm a, oh, no. I, I, 
I was at the Elite 11 this year at Redondo Beach, the final. You know, like, I'm all, let's go. I'm ready. I love it. I love everything about the Dynasty long-form CTC. And I think that there's enough diehards out there in the world that if we can expose this realm to them and enough college football fans just in general, people are going to want it. And, you know, everybody wants to be the best. Who's the best? Everybody thinks they're the best, especially in the pro world. You know, yep. pro, pro yep. fantasy football, it's all been – look, it, it, we've been known it. It's been 30 years, okay, yep. guys? No offense, but, like, okay, I've done it. I get it. I know, okay? I know. You don't need to tell me anything about it. Everybody's an expert. Everybody's the smartest guy in the world. Hey, come on down. Anytime you're ready, come down to college. Yeah. Come it's find a out what, what that universe world. of 131 teams plus, all the guys coming up are like. That's how you find out who's real. And those guys – and Austin won the Invitational on both sides this year. Don't don't, don't get is, his head. Don't get his head. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, jeez, I know. I know. I, I listened to enough of it to know that I should. Have I'll never hear the end of this. I'll, I'll oh, get a Austin. yep. I'll get a message. It's all right. All right. Got to give him credit here. Austin's look. I, I mean, I say obviously I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's great. And um, you know, there's there's a real talent to this that shows that these guys are. Top to bottom, the entire realm of football, that's what we're covering here. And uh, and that's it's as real as it gets, in my opinion. And that's what drew me to CTC. I, I want to compete with the best. And that's what it's all about, you know. I'm a competitor, as we talked about pre-show. Yep. You just got back from your uh, uh, hoops league. Yep. You, know, you, yep. you play in your rec hoops league. I obviously, the Tuesday nights is my league. It's a Wednesday, okay. it's a Monday. So, you know, I like competition. I like, you know, competing against the best. And um, and these guys are places to see all of you. You guys are the best. And you're my friends. It's not like I, I'm not com- competing like, you know, screw you, Austin, right. for winning. You know, well, I, I mean, a little I, bit. A little I love bit. it. I love learning from you guys. I just think it's a wonderful medium. I just think it's incredible. It makes everybody better at pro football because you just learn about these guys earlier and you sound smarter. So why wouldn't you? You guys at C2C, like just if you join a C2C league with, with you guys, look, it's laid out. Like there's a manifesto you're going to get. It's not going to sneak up on you. You know, you're going to read. And if you're a wonk and if you're if you're like me, which and, and Colin, which I think it's fair to say, you know, kind of sickos when it comes to this yeah. stuff, um, then you, think... you're just going to gravitate towards it and you're going to love it. You know, yeah. so I, I really think that. Um, everybody, everybody thinks they're the best. Everybody wants to be the best. And this is how you become better. Yeah. You know, there's no way you can't get worse at prognosticating what's going to happen at the NFL level by researching them at earlier than you do now. Honestly, it's, it's almost like, it's like the NFL stuff. It's a formality for me. Yep. Like it's, I, I spend so much time on my Saturdays. It's like, look, I watch the NFL. I, I, I love, I love all of it, but like, Look, that's the formality. That's the finishing class. They're getting their masters there, you know? And it really is. It's 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 the finishing class. But um, there's nothing like the come up. Yep. Nothing like the come up. Agree. That's how I feel. Yeah. So, I mean, you talked about CFF, NFL redraft here. Um, what, what do you see as like the major differences between those two? Between CFF, CFF and, C- and, NFL, and NFL redraft? NFL? Oh, oh, well, um. I would say that there's a couple different ways to answer this, right? You take it whatever way you want. I will, um, and this is, <laughs> I can I can do 45 minutes on this, and you can <laughs> buckle up. This is this is 23 this years. Is a long, 
this. This is a long. This is a long episode. We okay. have time. I don't. I, I. I will try to be as brief and respectful as possible. But first off, we just start with. I will look at it from a college fantasy perspective. All right. So I, I want to cut out the argument of the NFL versus college. You know which one's better. It's like it's it's not. It's different. The level of play. Yeah. I mean, I understand that the NFL has a higher level of play. However, like let's look at it of the lens of CFF and the amount of action derived from it, from the game, from your investment in the game, and what you get out of your investment in college fantasy football. Okay, so I'll start with, first off, we'll get just to the games itself and the play and what Saturday looks like. So for myself, I'm on the West Coast, as we all know, uh, out here in San Diego. But it's entirely possible I'm in the Northeast for this football season. But regardless, I get up at 6 a.m. and I start researching for my show that I do at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 a.m. East Coast Standard Time on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Check it out. And I go through all the props. I go through all, you know, the whatever's happening, you know, in the gameplay over my opinions and what's about to happen for that day. Great. And then the day starts at 9am here on the West coast. Right. So you get that first set of games, which is noon. We'll go by East coast. You get the noon games and that's always like a big 10 extravaganza. Yeah. And NBC has big 10 again, which they can start doing the night game, but that's always like, you get the SEC, you get the ACC, and then you get even, you know, like the, the East coast, colleges that are still really good g5 schools that kind of go in there right so you get a lot of action right out of the gate you don't it doesn't stop and i feel like that initial salvo that you get on saturdays is comparable to those 1 p.m games on sundays like i feel like that initial rush it's the same deal for me and if you're playing college fantasy football and you're playing pros you know that's that initial rush is the same and it's exciting, and boom, you get great games right out of the gate, and your players are involved. And just like there's a lot of games, you know, what would you say um, on a given NFL Sunday that will be fair by saying that doesn't have buys? Because right. if you factor right. buys in, I mean, you're talking a much more depleted pool, but it doesn't have buys. You're looking at probably eight games maybe to ten what does the usual slate look like on a Sunday for yeah, 1 p.m.? It's usually, yeah, like you said, 8 to 10 games-ish. And then, you know, you hit the 4 o'clock window. You got like 3 to 4 games and then the night game. So, like, you're looking at 50 plus to 60% of the games uh, right in the opening window. Exactly. So, like, you, it, it's great. Look, it's – and that's what it's all about. And that's what Sundays are. It's the lead-up. It's the build-up. And everybody gets excited. Well, um, Imagine the best way I can kind of describe it is imagine maintaining that level of this is not just eight to ten games, like this that initial salvo is probably 17 to 20. So there's plenty, but you know, they're one it's all 131, so they're just G5 teams mixed in. Then you go over to the 330 slate, and all right, let's drop another 15 games out there. Okay, <laughs> same thing. There's no drop-off. They, they space everything else, so they make sure that you aren't just getting good. You're getting bangers out there. 
at that three thirty yep. side, especially when you're Tech, in conference play. Oklahoma. Oh God, you get you get all those Pac five that those four Pac five conferences getting like all the, the most of their just interplay getting together and just so much conference play rocking in that three thirty slate. So like you get the three thirties and and that and and then you get right. So you just get three thirty though. You get the staggered start. So you get some that start at four. Then you get a couple that start at four thirty. And then you get, and then it rolls into a soft open into prime time. Well, then you get the five o'clock, like it rolls in five, six. You start getting the Mountain West and the Pac 12 and the Big 12, you know, because they're over there at Central Mountain time zone. Like six o'clock, you get those trickling in. And you still get, when prime time rolls around, you still get another seven, eight games in prime time that are usually some of the best. I mean, they're the best games of the slate. You know, the best you got, you're getting it from all the networks. They're firing all bullets. So, USC, and it's still, UCLA. Yeah, USC. I mean, everything. <laughs> all it, it's Pac-12 time to shine. But then you still get USC. At, I mean, excuse me, the SEC. You still get the Big 12's best Fox games. You still get. This year, NBC will have the Big Ten, the number three game in the Big Ten. So you still have a, a just a and, and if you have Midwest Mountain West guys, which hey, I, I got news for you. Uh, I had I had Fresno. I was invested in Fresno this year. Everybody should be, and they they were awesome. You know, Boise State's always great. You're always going to want a San Diego State running back uh, for years. Nevada, the past couple of years, Jay Norvell running the air raid there. They were devastating with Carson Carson Strong. So like. They're really – San Jose State deserves to be respected. They went undefeated almost in the pandemic season. So you have all these programs that are really good, that are putting up, you know, in the 35-point-per-game range, which if you're scoring 35 points per game, you're in the top 40 of 131 teams, and those are teams you need to focus on. You need to concentrate on the, the production and the top guys who are focused on market share, dominating-wise – in those conferences. So you get those and then you get the finisher. You get the, the, the palette cleanser pack 12 after dark <laughs> where you get some legit 10, 10, 30, sometimes 11 starts with the cherry on top. You probably get between those, you probably get four of those games, probably get four in that late, late night between mountain West and that maybe five, if we're really lucky. And then you get Hawaii as, as the cherry <laughs> on top. So it's like, it literally doesn't stop till 3 a.m. East Coast time. I mean, you're up. It's, it doesn't stop. It's up. You're up until 2, 3 a.m. And you start at noon and it goes wall to wall action. And those games, there's points being scored. And your guys are the best of the best. Like you can, you can, your team, you're starting are studs. So like you're not getting these, oh, Miles Sanders, I barely got a carry in the Super Bowl. No, no, your guys are out there rocking. Yep. Yeah. You guys are good. And when your guys are good, they're putting up 40-point games. And you're getting quarterbacks where, in the world I live in, I believe in equality in all facets of life, and that extends to touchdown equality. <laughs> and I wanted to address this because it's, you know, it's something that I've taken up in my mantle that everybody knows my position on in the college fantasy football community. I don't believe in the four-point for passing touchdown. I believe it, every touchdown, no matter how it is created, is six points in the fantasy world, be it thrown, run, Kickoff, recovered, it's six points. A touchdown is a touchdown. It, de- it devalues quarterback play and quarterback 
as we all know, is the hardest thing to do in all sports, not just football, all sports, the hardest thing to do is to play quarterback at these levels, these high levels with giant, scary gladiator sized human beings, the modern day gladiators trying to impale you, you know, metaphorically. So you have to simply, you have to account and not devalue quarterback play. So that's uh yeah, a quick brief synopsis of how you get quarterbacks that score 80 points. Yeah. Clayton Tim and, and Mordecai, both of them this year. Absolutely. Oh my God. That Mordecai, that game. <laughs> that game was insane. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing. Some, some teams just outright just give up. They just don't even play defense. They just don't even consider it. Like some of them are just like, come on. Yeah. Well, we're going to try, but they're just hanging there. They're hanging their offense out. And what happens it's, and it, you know when it's coming because when an offensive coordinator bumps up and gets a head coaching gig, you know, goes from a uh, power five coordinator gig to a head coaching gig in the, in the group of five or however it moves up. When you have an offensive guy who's known for having his system, they're always going to more often than not, they're going to tailor their system to scoring points. It's what yep. they do. When you have a defensive guy who comes in, well, guess what? He's not going to, he's not going to be out there running the air raid and trying to chuck and duck. So, like, there's a an interplay, too, that doesn't exist as much in the NFL because, like, the, the offenses are fairly the same. Like, nobody yeah. just gives up on playing defense. Nope. Nobody does that. You know, you, you can't. You know, you can't give up on defense. So, it just the different styles that you get out of those 131 teams. You get every different kind of – you're watching, and you're not just watching just the same game happen and everything. You're just – you're getting it all. You're getting style clashes and, you know, systems. It's just so exciting. There's so many different, you know, fun games and, and exciting plays you get to watch. And the beauty is, like, and, and there's – I got some heat for talking. I mean, I got some some blowback on saying that, can you imagine thinking that the NFL are is a more entertaining product than college football, you know, and I mean it kind of in a fantasy context because it's not. It's just simply not more con- right. entertainment fantasy because, look, we talk about the games. People are like, oh, these games, you know, they score points, whatever. I like defense. And I'm like, one, it's fantasy. If you like defense, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> Sorry. And and two, yeah, are there blowouts? Yes. Yes. You're going to get blowouts. You're going to get games that aren't exciting. So you know what you do? Oh, you turn to one of the other 15 games that are on. Yep. That are blowouts that are exciting where there's something happening that you're going to want to watch that you're going to say, wow, now I'm invested in this world. So I want to know about this guy. Holy crap. That's an amazing play. I'm picking that dude up. He's on the wire. Johnny Manziel. <laughs> because that happens all yeah. the time in college fantasy football, all the time. These, your peepers on a weekly basis, you pick things up. By watching the games that others don't and studying pays doesn't work that way. Everybody's watching the same shit in the NFL. Everyone's watching the same games at the same time, doing the same things. It's homogenous. You don't get it because you're in that world, but it's homogenous. The edges you pick up are exciting and you get it all day. And if you put the work in, you pay off and you win. And I like to win. Yeah. And you can do it and you get edges. By simply putting in the time. 
It's beautiful. Exactly. It's a beautiful medium. It yeah, rewards I, play, good, smart scouting, analysis, and play. Yeah, that's what really drew me to that too, honestly. It's because, like you said, it's everything in the NFL is so homogenous now, and you can just all of the all of the theories and all of the the strategies have already been discussed and they've already kind of been discovered, but that will never be the case in college fantasy football. That will never be the case. You can different. You can win drafting Caleb Williams in the first, you can win not taking a quarterback until the 10th round and you pick up, uh, you know, a, whoever in the Mac this year, you know, let's say, um, Curtis Rourke, Ohio. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Dude, rolling, rolling. Watch out for the Bobcats. Dude, that that program in Ohio, okay, went from Frank Solich, former Miami coach, uh, went there, was there for like 25 years. Frank Solich is – he was an offensive guy, right? So Frank Solich ran the offense at at Ohio University for over two decades. For two decades, do you know who his defensive coordinator was who ran the entire defense with him? I don't. Joe Burrow's dad. (laughs) <laughs> so ohio state ohio university the bobcats no flipping joke and so it's retired but like they, they hired right like the oc took right over kept all the continuity same staff dude that that program hums and they were down a little bit in 2021 and they got the rourke dynasty there all right nathan rourke his brother was a was legitimately a fantasy hall of famer and i don't say that lightly Fantasy Hall of Famer, college fantasy. And his brother Curtis is picking up right where he left off. I've got him in a couple of leagues and I'm absolutely thrilled about it. Yeah. Um, no, so as like I said, you can win in, with so many different. Yeah, there's all these little there. programs. Yeah. And you get these little, oh, this coach yeah. and that coach. Like I've spent, you know, it's second nature that I, I can do it now. And it's, it's you know, it's pretty cool. But like, well, that's what happens nice. when you're doing it for 23 years. The edges years. are there. The edges are there. Oh, but you know, like it also is. Look, if you want it, guess what? You can catch up. You know, you go and you do it right, and you want that. You want the edges. That's the thing. You can play them. Who's to say? Just because I like an edge, dude. There's 20 other edges. May I didn't see that game that you did, and you got me. You got. It doesn't matter. You got all of us. That's the beauty of it. You know, this edges. There's edges yep. that nobody knows, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So is there any, like, specific strategy that you like to employ for your CFF drafts? Like, you know, like I said, there's late-round QB on the NFL side. There's zero RB, robust RB, hero RB, RB this, RB that. There's all sorts of different strategies on the NFL side, and we know those all. Are there any that you like to employ on the CFF side? Different. It's, it's all about format. Okay, so in CFF, we start – two quarterbacks every week. There's no super flex. It's you start two QB. Some leagues you do three. Like in our C2C invitation, I think we start three. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You can start three and then it's like, all right, well you start starting three. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's time to start taking quarterbacks and taking them. That's how you take DJ. It's it's like two QB. It's like super flex. Three QB is super flex in college fantasy football. Two QB is one QB, where it's like, okay, you know, you, but you need one, you need a, you need a good one, but there's a lot of them, and I I will generally like I don't if I can get a guy I think is a premium guy just as a lock, you know, like Caleb, like I did it in in the first way too early, yep, yep. 
I'm cool with that because Caleb, and again, the format, are we doing four point for passing touchdowns? Like, like, you know, the, the, the people who, you know, don't like ice cream and (laughs) hate sunsets, think nature's overrated, you know, like they don't want to like mountains hike, you know, people like that. People see the world in black and white and then they can't see it in color. You know, the, the four point per passing touchdowners. If, if I'm lowering myself to, to participate in one of those leagues, then, well, then Caleb Williams is gold because he's going to run in a lot of those short, short touchdowns. It's a 50, 50, him on the running back. He's going to get it. And if he does, that's six points. And that's very important. And that gets into where a guy like Curtis Rourke, as the aforementioned, just a, off the cuff, you know, the running QBs have a little more value, but in college, you always have to balance out the running and the the throwing QBs. You got to balance. You, I'm always wary of the QBs who can only run and can't throw like they need to. And I, I will use a very – the graveyard of run-first QBs that went way, way too high, top 20, like overall QB 20-plus, is as long as the list of running backs that get hurt, you know, <laughs> every year. Like, it's just, it just happened. Oh, great, another running back's hurt. Great, unbelievable. Wow. I mean, imagine that. Like, it's it just – it's how it is. And you just accept it because at the end of the day, I ref- I can't do it. I refuse to draft a run first quarterback who I don't see arm talent from because those guys are imminently replaceable and you can game plan against them and yep. they have a shelf life. And the example is, is um, Louisville Malik Cunningham. You know, guys, top 10 QB everywhere, everywhere. And like I he was top three. I, I saw him like QB three, QB two in some places. Uh, you know, in some drafts type of thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm not dismersing anybody. It's just like, and look, I probably had him like QB9 because I can't, you can't deny it that he yep. ran for 20 touchdowns in 2021. Yep. I mean, he led, he led the nation in touchdown rushes. It's a 20. As a quarterback. As a quarterback. What are you going to do? So, um, you know, I you can't ignore them, but they always got to be careful. I, I like my QBs like Caleb style where they're they have the arm, but they can run and do it. You know, Kayla, uh, Kyler Murray was, was a great yep. Jalen Hurts, obviously. Jalen Hurts. I mean, but yep. you know, those those style of QBs, if we're doing the four point pass touchdown, those are the most valuable and they will command a premium. But like a uh, guys like Stroud and and Young, you know, they kind of you give them a little well. Stroud, that's not a good example because he threw for 4,400 yards <laughs> two seasons right. ago. Well, that's and that, the other... that didn't happen this year. Yeah. Yeah. They dialed it back. So many injuries. But yeah. um, so in, ter- in other words, let me get back to the strategy and the tangent I'm getting off here. I'm okay with doing a, a one QB if it's a, a special QB, you know, in that top four uh, early in terms of that first, second round range. More often than not, you're going to see me sit tight and take a round six, seven, eight in my first QB because there's so many of them. And, and the example I will use is the draft that Jared did, the way too early 2023 mock on Chasing the Natty. Um, I took Caleb Williams with the one, but I purposely, it was a 10-round mock. I knew I wasn't taking a, another QB until the 9-10 bounce back to my last pick because I wanted to make a point to myself and to whoever was left that, you don't want to 
to the I'm I have to get a QB in a two QB league. You know, if you don't want, you don't have to get them. There's gonna be some good QBs that are left at the back end. Sure enough, I went and the last pick I took was Michael Pratt for Tulane, guy who averaged 32 points per game in a six point per passing touchdown format. And uh, this was five, so you know it was it was it was the compromise because Jared's a nice guy. Jared likes to <laughs> he, he's compromised, you know, between me, my faction of the six six pointers and the four pointers. Um, but um, in that format, he was a thirty-two point per game guy, and that's the tenth. That's the beginning of the tenth round. Okay, so you got Caleb Williams, who's probably like thirty-six, four points down. You get him in the tenth with Michael Pratt, Tulane team that just went one double digit. Games, right? Coming off a two and ten season in 2021, where they had Chip Long, former Notre Dame offensive coordinator, went there and pissed on R- Willie Fretz's system. Left. He Chip Long, right? Left. Went to Georgia Tech this year. <laughs> got fired four games in. Jeff Jeff Smith and that whole staff. He was a lame duck, got fucking canned, and I don't even think he's anywhere right now, right? Tulane picked up the pieces and went from two and ten to freaking ten and two or whatever they're at, double digit wins. And, and beating Pratt, USC. Hell yeah. Michael Pratt had offers to go anywhere he wanted to transfer. You know the portal's ruthless yeah. now. It's it's a different world. He had he had you know floated, hey, you know, he could have gone to power five teams and then wrote that ticket, stayed at Tulane. It's gonna go out there and light the AAC on fire this season. And point being, got him in the ninth round and the t- beginning of the tenth. Brennan Brennan Armstrong, who's back at C- NC State with Robert and I, reunited, and it feels so good for the oldest <laughs> folks out there who are familiar with I don't know whoever the hell that seventies group is. <laughs> but there, he's back with Robert and I, who injected some life into that listless Syracuse offense. It was fucking dead yeah. as a snail. That passing offense in twenty twenty one actually f- pumped some life into them. And dominated in Virginia with Armstrong two years ago. And now they're back there in NC State and have probably a better like supporting cast of talent. And he'll go and run that same system and throw the ball 500 times like he did three years in a row. Which, which we had, so you guys know, 500 times, he's top five in the country every time. In fact, most of them were top three. So um, the value of quarterback can be had in the middle rounds. In the middle rounds, you're going to – most of these drafts are going to be 17 minimum. And you're going to probably most of them, they're worth their salt. You're going to want more than 17 roster spots. Those fill up quick, bro. You, yeah. You're going to need to, bro, you need to, you need to get, I need a little creativity in my roster. Yeah. I, need, I need to, I need to cook. You know, the puppet master has <laughs> got to get his marionettes. I want to put the strings on. I want to do work. So I, I recommend at least 20. I mean, that's, that's bare men. And more like that, like 25, 26. Um, because we get a giant pool, fuck it. Yeah. So I, I I like doing that. So mid round, early to mid rounds would be in that pocket, seven to ten. You start you start reaching around seven. You're gonna get your premium quarterbacks. that are gonna be in that nine to twelve range, that back end QB one, high end QB two range. That frankly, sometimes the ones a lot of times that bump up, you know, and and, and end up being the most productive because there's variance there. Not as much variance in the QBs, which is why it's like it's a, it's a safer investment, you know, but as there is in what I'll get to next, wide receivers. Premium wide receivers. Get them immediately. Okay, you want to go and grab a QB1 star? Fine. If you don't, 
get a wideout. Every time, 100% of the time. Marvin Harrison, get him. My boy, who last year, and, and just a little bit, that's more advanced. We'll get to it. But it's like, you look and you identify that top. Each year is like a cluster, like 20, 25 receivers, 25 call it. That you can look at and be like, I want two. I want two. I want three. Because you know that those guys, that you chances are half of them probably. Half of them are probably going to be in that top 12 wide receiver one range. You know, like in that top 25, 30 range, half of them will work out. Half of them are going to go out there and bust. And they're, not, they're going to be barely playable on a weekly basis in a 12-team league. That's why I like the deeper leagues with more roster spots, right? It, it's it's important not to look at college fantasy football like it's pro football and have that standard one quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, super flex. Oh, maybe we'll throw in a flex. Get wild. <laughs> the tight end. Get that out of your mind. Don't even like all right. Don't even that's not can't think that way. All right. I want to see it all. I want those guys that are at the end. I want those guys in that 15th, 16th round. When you're when you're making that roster, they need to they need to matter. All right. There's too many guys in this league to have just a stock and trade, two running back, three, one receiver. Like you need to have a bigger starting roster, and you need to have the best player win. And the way you do that is by having a deeper league. So the point is wide receivers have variance. And you have to attack the power five. I did a big column in 2020 that won me the FSWA College Sports Writer of the Year Award, frankly, was this. And it showed statistically you can get running backs at the G5 level, right? Yeah. So in terms of the top, and I, I don't like to go top 20. It's a point. I do like RB3. I like the top 36, top 40. You know, I feel it's a, it's a more accurate reflection of their value because you need those guys. Guys are important. RB40 is important. Bro, you got RB40. Jackpot. Jackpot. The guys every week in these leagues, you know, these deep leagues. That's that's huge. So again, 20 teams, you get the RB40, he's an RB2. So gold. So like those guys, you can get them from the G5. Half of them come from the G5. Right. Carson Steele, Wayne McBride. Absolutely stars, stars, because it's easier to hand a ball a, guy, a ball off to a guy and block than to run an efficient passing offense. It's just more difficult to do, and it's more difficult to catch the ball. So who are the best guys at catching the ball? Dudes in the P5 are the best. Guys in the SEC, guys in those wide open offenses, in the big-time programs have the best receivers, and it's hard to catch a ball downfield. It's just how it is. You catch 50% of your downfield passes, you're God. You're God. You catch 40% and you have like a, a pretty good rate of breaking them, you're God. So, like, think about that. That's not a success rate that's normal at most at, at the secondary and, and you know primary levels. So um when you get those wideouts that hit and they're bankable and they're gold, and you know that when those guys are on the field, they're occupying a spot and you don't have to think about it. The no doubters that I don't have to make a decision in my lineup every single week. Malachi Corley, for an example of this, the wide receiver one this year, outside of like wide receiver two, it's it's Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison is the wide receiver one. He is 
either the number one pick or he's at worst the, the, the number three overall this year. Yeah. There's no other way. I don't care. There isn't a, there isn't a B. John Robinson that's out there that is better. It's going to have a bigger impact on your team than Marvin Harrison. And I don't care who's throwing him the ball because they're Ohio State and they can score 40 points a game, right? That's how it goes. It's how it went with Justin Fields. When they made the transition to C.J. Stroud, are they going to score 40 points a game? The answer is yes. All right? And he's Marvin Harrison Jr., and he's 6'3", and he's 225, and he is literally molded out of clay. He is literally Marvin Harrison's kid. He's just one of a kind. So that's what you're getting in the P5 is the best of the best, the freaks, the best of the best. And when it comes to receivers, that's where you got to hunt. And you have to take him at the top of the draft because you can identify those freaks and those top guys in those high-volume systems where you're going to get at least 100 targets. I'm targeting receivers who will get target share in high-volume offenses that are explosive, that it will give me at least bare minimums, usually 30 points per game. But again, I want to be in around that top 35 uh, 36, 40 that are scoring 35 points per game. So that's what I'm looking at. I want receivers early. I like the running backs that you can get in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and you can stockpile them. But you get those receivers that are bankable, and then you start looking at devising whatever your advanced metrics, your advanced game theory you want to do in roster construction past those top 10 rounds and how you want to you know, go. Look, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can go at that point. Who's on the board? I don't know. It's round 12 now, but like, I feel like I like to lay out the bones of the first 10, 12. And then that back half of the draft, I'm looking at, at who did I get? Where, where am I weak? What are my positions? I feeling? how many spots do I have that I can use spot players for? And uh, you know, towards the end, what are my must have situations where all right like Oregon State's running back for instance so I'll, I'll give you a nice little deep cut uh coming into this year it was Deshaun Fenwick who is a PS 50 you know like a, a top uh 247 top 20 recruit transferred from the SEC he was a four-star to Oregon State built like a brick shithouse you know six foot 220 he was the number two running back last year Looks like he's going to be the guy who takes it, right? But in comes camp, Damian Martinez, a big – he's not a four-star, but he's like a high three. And he comes in, and he's the same proportion, looks great, young legs, fresh, like he's dominating camp. You go and you take a, a Sean Fenwick last year or you know, either one in round 12 where it's like you're starting getting into shared situations and the other guys out there, however you go, Around 23, 24, especially in redraft. Hey, why wouldn't it, it's a premium situation? Yep. I know Oregon State is going to pound that ball. It's what they do with Jonathan Smith. He's a hometown guy. He ain't going anywhere. And he's built a culture. They don't have they don't have to worry. Like it's linear. It's projectable. It's about knowing systems, knowing when to reach. And then I think that's, you know, having at least a loose plan to go with adjusting with what happens in that first and second round, adjusting those needs, and then just looking at, at uh, you know, keeping your house in order is a phrase we use in my longtime league. You want to keep your house in order when you have extra 
draft spots down the line. You want to have those premium spots that you've invested in that are 50-50s. You want to make sure you have that player that is going to get the bulk in that particular prolific system, be it passing or running. Then as long, especially it's in, in redraft or whatever, or if dynasty, wherever you have the ability to shuttle players and drop them, look, then, you know, within a couple of weeks, if the young guys already got it, well, guess what? He ain't giving it up. Did you just cut the old guy? You cut Fenwick. He became hang around with Fenwick, you know, for a few weeks is what ended up happening. And by like week five, all right, it's Damian Martinez's show. Jettison, you know, uh, Fenwick, and you go and address another need where you want to pick up and stockpile depth. So that's a brief landscape of some of the ways that you can approach a college fantasy football draft. But at the end of the day, you know what? There are so many ways and so many directions that you can go. There's really not a lot of wrong ways as long as you have a good, cleared thought process and you've done the work to support your decisions. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that. And I think that C2C mirrors that a lot too. There's so many different strategies you can employ in that because you have the Devi aspect too, if you want to focus on that, if you want to focus CFF. So how do you personally approach like a C2C draft uh, as somebody with such an extensive CFF background? Sweet. Well, as we uh, as we've discussed, Colin, we actually I'm in two C two C leagues right now. I want to get into another one. This I am doing another one. Whatever you, oh, I got, we got. Throw you. me. Let me know. Keep me posted, guys, because I'm in. Because I want to do. I literally want to do a startup every year and just see. I want to see for myself, and I keep it. You know, I keep track on what you guys. Some of the other drafts that happen. Every time I see something pop up, I look at every draft board that I can that that pops up and exists on Twitter or on Discord. Like, I, I want to see how these go. I don't care who's doing it. And that's the beauty of these leagues where it's like, you know, if you're in the NFL and you're looking at just some Tom, Dick, or Harry or, or Mary or Jane in their <laughs> home leagues, right, and they're doing their thing, and okay, great. They're, why do I care what their opinions are? There's a million of these stupid mock drafts. I've already done 50 – you know, uh, underdog $2 best balls. And I've already done a million drafts. It's the same player pool. And it never changes. It never gets different. It's never anything different. Well, guess what? Yeah. You look at these. I look at everyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care what level of campus to can league you are. If you're doing a campus to Canton startup or you're doing a campus to Canton uh, redraft, uh, you know, whatever we call supplemental, excuse me, yeah. draft. I'm going to look at it because I care what you think, because look, there's just not, there's not that much data for us to collect. So I'll take, uh, dude, I am all about looking at everybody. You know, we're all learning. We're all in the same boat. It's really a big tent place to be right now. You know, like let's roll. I, I, show me. All right. I'll, any home leagues, bring them to me. I want to see them. I want to see everything. So like, that's the beauty of this is, well, I'll look at everything and I want all the data. And just because you draft one way and I draft another, look, it ain't like that. It ain't, it ain't like, you know, pro where everybody's like, I've done this a million times. So this is objectively wrong. It's like, bro, you do you or girl. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And you, you talked about that league that we're in together there. Um, the, the C2C invitational one that was, I was looking back through that as you were talking to that there um, pre-show. I had the two pick in that startup. I go DJU. Six picks later, you get Bryce Young. 
Oh, <laughs> oh the hurt. fantasy gods smiled upon me for that one. But let's face it, TJ, you was there with eight at eight. I was taking to take him too. Yeah. You know, yep. I'm not gonna sit here and try to make you, you know, beat up on you. How dare you, Colin? <laughs> like, look, and let's look, and this is good because it gets into uh the nature of just NFL draft in general projection and then how it pertains to us in the in the fantasy. C, you know, CFF, more, this is all C2C, has nothing to do with CFF, like the C2C realm, is here are, here are the quarterbacks. This is a C2C league. This is a startup C2C Invitational. So you all understand this This is when we started in 2021. So it's only two years old, right? This wasn't 2022, it's 2021. And we drafted right after the Fantasy Football Expo, which was in mid-August. Yep. So like what happened is I ended up, you know, hanging out and coming off the pandemic nobody actually met anybody for two years or saw anybody like you're all just people out in the ether not you like everyone is yeah and um you know you're finally seeing somebody that you know and and like that you've read their work and you admire what they do and i got to meet you guys and i'm like guys i want to do one and the guys are so great they're like all right well let's try to squeeze one in these usually take a long time if we get a committee group we'll do it but we threw we threw together a group of of the guys and yeah. you know everybody uh, with a good solid expert and people who are very tuned in group to college fantasy and C two C. So we had a nice blend, and uh, and that's what we attacked. So this happened right before the season. Yep. So it, it's important to know when you're drafted for these two because there's no there's already. You know, we're, we're heading right in. We have a, at least a fairly good idea of some of the battles. And it's not like we're doing it in the spring because you right. can draft at any time of year. And especially it makes sense sometimes in the spring to do it before camp and all that. So we did draft head in the season. So this isn't one that's an early one. This is right up until the edge of 2021. And it can show how different the QB landscapes can change. You ready? Here are the first... Five quarterbacks taken. <laughs> oh man! First five. <laughs> <laughs> one two. The the one two DJU by yourself. Bijan was yep. the number one pick, and by Greg. Well done, dunk. Greg Brandt. Greg Brandt is an is an absolute ace. If you like college fantasy football, he's an ace. So then you go DJU. Fair. Okay. Look, I get it. Don't feel bad because Joe DiTulio <laughs> took Spencer Rattler. Okay. How are we feeling about that one now? Yeah. He got any, he got any, but okay. Uh next, number four, Malik Willis. Hey, hey, hey. Got a Third year of CFF. Pick. Third round pick. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, but you know what? Was he that good in CFF in 2021? No. True. He was really good in 2020. And you know what? Was Bryce Young that incredible in CFF in 2022? No. He's great in 2021. Was DJU that great this year? The answer is no. Spencer Rattler, try again. Um, again, the, the fourth one taken. Matt Corral was taken at 1-6 after Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby's like <laughs> RB8, maybe. He's honestly, I'm a little lower on Bigsby than most. And yeah. frankly, Noah Hills. Yeah. Bro, Noah Hills. Guys. Have, have you guys, have you all out there found Noah Hill's running back work? If you haven't, take a look at his Tank Bigsby one. Frankly, yeah. 
everything I, I already I had already kind of gone through it. I you know I've been through this, but it just like encapsulated. I was like, oh my gosh, you are my Hank Bigsby whisperer. Is how I feel. It's beautiful. So he's great. He's he's excellent. And let me tell you, Hank Bigsby is probably like an RB. He's eight to ten. RB eight to ten for me and what my final ranks will look like. He's not a top ten five guy. He's taking his RB two here at five overall. This is only two years ago. Yep. Before the season with people who know what they're doing. Okay. Corral at number six. Great in fantasy. Done. Sold. Old Miss, they were rocking. 40 point per game offense. The lane train was driving. 2 2 all aboard. Dylan Drummond was gold. Awesome. Great. Um, but for what are we getting for pros, right? This is a C2C league. Yep. This is what do we get for pros matter. out of Matt Corral? Getting nothing right now. And I've got him in a couple. I like Matt Corral. I'll be full disclosure. Okay. F- number QB4. 1-6 pick. The 1-7 pick. QB5. Sam Howell. Ah, he was good. He was good. Solid CFF. Like a solid low-end QB1 under 2021. Like solid high-end QB2. People won titles with him. Like no, no issue with him at UNC. That was Phil, Phil Longo. Now... The, uh, the OC at Wisconsin ran that offense, and they were humming. That was with both Michael Carter and Javante Williams, Jeremy Brown, Das Newsom. They were rocking. No problem with that from his college fantasy point of view. However, bro, I can get somebody who's putting up Sam Howell numbers that isn't at 1-7, okay? 1-8's Bryce Young. Great. I'll take it. Fair enough. But that's it took to 1-8, and we had – he's the QB 6. Yeah. Six of the first eight picks of QBs, two are running backs, one hit. We have two out of the top eight are what I would call an unqualified hit on both levels. A, a two-level win. One out of the two out of the first eight? Yeah. Bijan and Bryce. To be fair, then we go we'll, – we'll just – I'll bang through this because it's fun, but it, it, it speaks to what we're talking about in terms of how the landscape changes. you got to remember – you have to be very forward thinking. If there's anything advice I can give that I've learned from CFF to C2C that I try to employ every time I sit there and make a, make a judgment, it's you, you get out of the now. You have to, you have to, you have to clear the now that's happened. Okay. And in, in the, in the past, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? You know, like you have to always think like this, you know, like CFF, I'm thinking now. I'm not worried about in the, in the future. I know, I know right now I'm trying to project who these guys are gonna be right now. Not not in C2C, right? So it's that it's that third eye, right? It's gonna reap the benefits. Next, I went for Bryce Young, and then middle way through, this is the wide receiver three. Took Traylon Burks. Didn't take Garrett Wilson. Didn't take Drake London, unfortunately, and take uh, Chris Olave. But, you know, like, it went Traylon because he was a freak heading in that season. I, I believe in Traylon in 2020, yeah. and I still do. I mean, he was a freak. He was a playmaking freak at, Alabama, at Arkansas. And yeah. I looked at those physical traits, and I was like, I know how it's going to project. I know that he's going to score double-digit touchdowns in college. That's happening. Like, he's just too dominant not to. And he just makes people look like just for the level. He was just so much better. Yeah. That follows your, your mindset of taking those power five wide receivers who are going to dominate. 
that tracks. Exactly. So it's like, hey, he's a first round pick. I'll consider that a, a relative success. Garrett Wilson. <laughs> I should have taken him. Zach Evans. All right. What I would argue. All right, Colin, I've done a lot of talk. How do you feel about Zach Evans? I like Zach Evans still. I I think he is this is your guy. You took him. It was. This was my guy. He was uh at that point still on TCU. Played well at TCU. Um, played well at, at Ole Miss, never really put up the volume, the counting stats that to match that efficiency. The hope is obviously he does at the NFL level, but I, I like him as a runner. That efficiency, I think, is going to translate, and he's just so smooth when he changes speeds and changes directions. So I still like Zach Evans. I would stand by that pick at this spot. Wait, do you have a range of where, where he is right now in terms of the 2023 class? He's my RB3. I think he'll probably okay. go. Yeah. So you're in. You're in. Hey, yeah. that's in. I'm in. I mean, it's it pretty much starts at RB three with, yeah. with Gibbs and like yeah, yeah. I understand. Put if you want to not get Gibbs down for size, it's cool. But hey, you're in. Yeah. Still yeah, in. I'm in. Feel. And again, like look, that's the end of the second round. It's number twenty three overall. You got Jack Evans and a guy who you have at RB three this year, two years down the line, two seasons down the line, heading into the second NFL draft. We only have one draft class. It's only the second draft class we have going in. Not bad. Not bad. You know, at least you recovered from the DJU. That's, yeah. that's solid. Yeah. It took, um, it took a little bit, but yeah. Um, with me, uh, where I, where I did well, like you said, up top, uh, strategy wise, the way I approach it is I like, Running back, when it comes to running backs, if there's anything I, I think I can impart that worked out well, I like targeting the running backs that are RB2 types or high-end, high-end G5s later. That, But the G5s that aren't already the Lou Nichols right. or the Carson Seals that already did it, you know, the next G5 guys. Right, like getting those premium next guys who are going to fill those spots and could be important, and that's something I think where the CFF background really helped me in my C2C drafts because um, I'll go into how I approach the running back position at the back end, and we'll go from uh, round 33. So this is 33 rounds in 12 teams. Uh, before the 2021 season, I get TDP, Tyrion Davis-Price, who is a guy that I had who went in the third round of the NFL draft this past year, 2022, right. and was a guy that was not in anybody's top 20 list out of just that year. So, again, big, looks fast, power five, SEC, and – Shows that he can be a good, like, aggressive one cutback, had some success, and has a pedigree coming out of high school. Those guys, that mold, and he was a, along with, with John Emery, which is why I pre, John Emery, I'm pretty sure, went before him. So, like, there was that unsettled LSU backfield. And that goes into just, you know, what I like to do in the middle rounds of CG, of college fantasy and how I applied CGC is target those power five elite backfields and how they. You know, if you don't get that top guy, look, don't sweat it. T 
target the secondary running backs who still four-star studs because those are the ones who are going to get drafted. Look, if you look at how it goes, if you're three-star or under, it's it, everybody's three-star. You're four-star right. or five-star. Give them an extra look. Give those guys the extra looks rounds 30-plus where you're just you're filling in things and take those targeted shots. That took a lot of running backs after round 30. TDP was a hit. Rasheen Ali Marshall. Dunk. Slam dunk. Boom! That is a fucking home run. <laughs> Destroyed 2021. Destroyed it. Gets banged up in, in, in 2022 and Kalen LeBourne to run as a Florida straight transfer takes over. But then <laughs> Rasheen Ali comes back at the end of the season, takes over, and now he's back for this season. Dude, 36-round Rasheen Ali, just for what he does in college fantasy, I'm bowing to him. I, he, he is in, in the Hall of Fame of, of my school. He is, like, in that level. He will get votes for the College Fantasy Hall of Fame. 36-round, give it to me. And, like, dude, he's 210. Yeah. He's not, he's not 200 pounds. Catches passes. Yeah, he catches passes. Dude, Marshall's yeah. a damn good – again, it goes to system. Marshall's solid. Those G5 programs produce solid results year in and year out that develop players. And they develop players. So I like to target those G5 teams again later. Roshin LA, home run. Round 37, Jermaine Brown Jr. for UAB. Boom! He's going to be the guy this year at UAB. Trent Dilfer just took over. He got 27 carries in the bowl and ran for like 135 yeah. yards and two touchdowns. And he has been behind. He was behind Spencer um, Brown, right? He was a four-year starter, a three-time thousand-yard rusher at UAB. Then in comes McBride this year, who we'll get to. He leads the nation in rushing. And then you still have Brown, like you still have. McBride goes on now, and he's legitimately, I would say, like he's right around RB10 to 12. Yeah. Like he's a guy who you will see, mark my words, he already has started to gain steam in this process. He's already gone from like a nobody to people are starting to bump him up, at least in the top RB15s. Like he's at least above RB15. If he isn't, then literally don't look at that person's RB list. <laughs> All right. Listen to me. Don't listen to him. So, yeah, he's legit. So then there's so I take, and again, this goes into pairing those premium backfields that you know develop players. So that's round 36. I go with him with Rasheen Ali, and then oh, excuse me, 37 Jermaine Brown. Then down the road, I end up getting uh where was Devane McBride? I end up in the next year, right? Staying with that theme. I end up getting Dwayne McBride in the supplemental draft that we did this year to continue that UAB legacy after drafting Jermaine Brown with Spencer Brown already gone. So like you want to draw a fence around those backfields where you have a big roster, like this, this 50 player roster, you have those 50 player runs, you, but you draw a fence around good G5 programs, to develop those position groups. And you get to know what those position group coaches are. And when they move, you look at where they move to. And then you start looking at those players and who they can develop, right? That's one of the key parts of this whole game is knowing the coaches, knowing which problems develop players, 
and targeting them in the later rounds and where that's where you find guys that become jewels. So that's if there's anything I can give. And then I ended up taking in round 41 just for shits. Henry Parrish Jr. is the starting running back at Miami. He yep. was uh, a secondary guy at Ole Miss. Went out, was awesome in Miami this year. Got banged up. And they got rid of their offensive coordinator, Memphis. Uh, they, they hired away after year one from Michigan. Paid him a lot of money and said bye-bye. So yeah. uh, Parrish is a guy who in 2024 was like, again, you know, RB15, you know, like he's in that range. Like he's still – he's not big, but he's an excellent all-around, all-purpose guy that – you know, there's a role you can see yeah. round 41 because he's a backup running back who's at the time at Ole Miss and he's at a premium program where there's someone on sale. They use a lot of guys at Ole Miss. They had Jerry on Ely. Like they, they, they had, uh, you know, uh, the big guy, I forget what his name is. He alludes me. Snoop Connor. Boom. I kept wanting, <laughs> kept wanting to say, like, I think Cavassia smoke because they're built the same when they're yeah. USC backs and they both transfer. So anyways, yeah, Snoop Connor. But those guys who are in those secondary positions in good backfields and in good high-end teams that have pedigrees, target them in late rounds. Those guys make out. And I'll use the, the, wide, the running back two who aren't the sexy guys that are down the board. Pay attention to them and take them, especially in split backfield situations, if you can get both of them together. It's a win. It's a guaranteed win. That being said, I will go to the rest of my point. These aren't these are the rookies. I know what I'm getting out of these guys. I've seen these guys run already. I know what I'm getting, and I know they're going to be in that mix because of their size, their proportions, their BMI, and to me, just eyeballing it. I know those guys are going to be on the margins of they're going to be in the NFL playing somewhere. And with running backs, man, it's just opportunity, a lot of it. Yeah. So going down the list, right, and to, to back up the, the post – the 29, 25 round plus rounds, 25 plus is where I, I like, I go in the low on running backs and then I want, you know, the, the, I want wide receivers and then I want running backs. And here's where really, I feel like came together on a, this year draft round 29, Kenny McIntosh. Slam dunk. Slam dunk round 29. You kidding me? Yeah. He's probably again, like RB six to eight range right now, like 210 pounds, two and I think maybe two and 12 at the, or whatever at the senior bowl catches passes. Yeah. He's literally played the James Cook passes. role. Yeah. Great. Like that's that role. And if he needs to step in, he can do it. Great. Round 29. Okay. He's a, he's a round three, four running back this year is, is where I got him pegged. Um, great. And, and again, Kendall Milton, Kendall Milton's all the way up here. All right, Kendall Milton went Don't in the fourth round. <laughs> Kevin, Kendall Milton went at the three-four bounce back. Okay, and and he is Kenny McIntosh went at twenty-nine. All right, again, it it's it just just how it is. You take those good shares or backups and you roll with them. That's twenty-nine. Let's go to round thirty-five. Again, that thirty-five pocket. Phil Maffa, Clemson. We tell you, people, get ready. We was talking about Will Shipley going in round five. I'm a Phil Moffat guy. Every time I watch Clemson, every time I can't, I can't help what my eyes tell me. And I go and I look at, at the PF. You look at the advanced numbers. What do my eyes tell me? Phil Moffat is better than Will Shipley. I think he's going to be a better pro running back. I don't care. All right, hot take. 
Will Shipley's 205. Frankly, I mean, you know, Maybe. I don't think his vision is we'll particularly good. Says. I see him running on the back of his blockers. I see Phil Maffa going in there, and when he comes in as that change of pace, he fucking slams people. He comes in and he runs hard. And he's getting five yards the hard way, Rodney Dangerfield style. So this is he comes in. He is a guy who you will see next year, mark my words, start to climb and be in that Chris Rodriguez, Dwayne McBride, RB10 to 15 territory for class 2024. And he was already getting double-digit carries at Clemson as the season went on because I couldn't trust DJU. No offense. No offense. <laughs> All right, so that's 35. Phil Maffa. Bang. Get ready. Already made. And this is for my boy. This goes out to Felix. Oh, boy. This goes out to my homie. Oh, boy. Felix. Because he is I, – I, I'm there. You know, I am on the train. I feel like, you know, this is an old-school train. I know where this shoveling is going. Coal. No offense to the to the climate change people. I, I'm down. I, I try to watch my carbon footprint. But just for the analogy, the sake, right, there's two people who are running that train. I feel like, in, in fairness, you know, I defer to, to Felix that he's the conductor. <laughs> I, I'll give him, he's wearing the cool hat. He gets to blow the whistle. But I feel like I'm the guy who's feeding the, the burner. You know, like if the, the smokestack and the old school cartoons, like I'm the one who's feeding the coal and the burner, you know, and I'm, I'm making the engine go. I'm behind, I feel like I'm making it go. Mayan Williams. Yep. Saw that one coming. The Mayan Williams. <laughs> Round 36. Hey, guys and girls. Have you seen Have we? Okay. I know. Is he 5'8", 220? Yeah. Is he a little short and stout and compact? Yeah. But he's 5'8", 220. He's 220. That's why I like. And... He breaks tackles. Bro, good luck tackling Mayan Williams. In terms of the Big Ten, coming in, right? This is before the season. Going into the 2010 se- 2021 season, or actually, he was going into this season, excuse me, because he didn't have it in 21. He was going into this season. This is this year. He had the highest broken tackle rate of any running back in the Big Ten. I love those dominance metrics. And if you watch him run, bro, he's – He's slippery and elusive in the hole and has good he's good vision in that hole. Like, yeah, he'll be sometimes he doesn't have he isn't gonna break the big runs again, Charbonnet style, but I got a type. And the yeah. type is those squat brick like 220-pound guys <laughs> who are around or he's 5'8, but like in that 220-pound range, who are good at making people miss on first and in at first and then in the hole. They have the slide step. They're one cut style and they go down his hill and they finish their runs and he's powerful and he finishes, but he's also elusive. That combo 36 round again behind Trevion Henderson, who went three fourth overall. And guess what? Coming in the season, that's a 50, 50 share people 50, 50 share at Ohio state with those two. And it's only after one season with Mayan Williams, just getting more carries. So if you see dominance ratios like that, dominance metrics on a short level, hey, take a shot down the road in those running backs. And I, I hate give... that I'm going to have to cut that whole rant so Felix doesn't get a big head. I, ah, I... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we're the same. I'm sorry. Just, we're the same. But I'm just, um... just going to have to cut all of it. He'll never hear that. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'll do. I'll do just one more example of it. Uh, it'll be just a brief one. Roy Dell Williams, who's the uh, the RB2 this year behind. Jason McClellan, who Austin took in the second round last year 
in the one we talked about. Rodell Williams is the RB2 at Alabama. And again, look, he's a high, he's like a top 20 running back. And he's just hanging out here, right, at round 40 in the 12-team league. Hey, guess what? Great. Here's here's my roster spot. I'm going to ride you out because guess what? If Jason McClellan gets hurt, and he did this year, Rodell Williams was getting important carries down the stretch. That's a big spotlight. And those guys at Alabama, guess what? They're good. Even if they're, you know, you're getting a share. That's how Brian Robinson came up. You know, that's how he got to be where, where he was in his spot. Just waiting his time, waiting his time behind Najee. And then you got his turn. So like, that's the mold. And these are the examples I'm using that from this year, I feel have already accrued value that if you were doing a startup, all those guys I just mentioned are going to have far higher draft capital. And you want to evaluate who are the guys next year? Who are the guys that I've seen that are maybe they were freshmen this year? They were behind that first line. You know, maybe they didn't get, maybe none of you year ones here, but like they, they, in a tertiary role where there's upward mobility. And that's what I, I think, that's where the money is made in C2C for me. And that's where that there is a competitive advantage that I see is not being exploited. And I'm pissed that I'm actually even talking about it because <laughs> it will be. I'm going to want to do it again this year. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that. And then I did want to make one more little point, which was about C2C, um, the pro okay. supplemental is draft. This, so, is this what we talked about pre-show where you had a little bit of a gripe? No. Or is that, okay, that's coming later. Okay. No, that's coming later you it's going to be two hours so here we and are hey you know what we've had <laughs> two hour shows before i have a i have a mantra all right that i tell the guy that i i tell the, i tell everybody this is just how i live by i never skimp on content no i live by it is how i believe i believe that you're gonna get everything i've got every time i'm out here so and i know and that's like I said, why I had to have you on. Way over <laughs> what I wanted to talk about, and we didn't talk about this, which is why it's on my top of mind. I want to talk about pro supplemental drafts and the pro supplemental draft this year in the C2C Invitational, right? And this is and I want to talk it now because it's 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 the yin and the yang for my friend Felix. Okay, <laughs> the yin and the yang, right? So because because I, I I pumped them up so much, I have to go and I, I mean we gotta have beef, right? We're gonna me and me and Twi- we're gonna have to get me and Felix. Well, it can't it has to be some controversy, right? He's a lawyer, so like he loves this. <laughs> he so, absolutely he knows it's coming this. from a good play. So <laughs> Felix, he, um, I heard uh, during one of the roundtables with him, Austin and Matt and the boys and you probably, uh, he was talking about pro supplemental picks and he outright hand waved it oh the pro supplemental picks oh you can get anything for those i suggest you take them all these guys are already taken you can't do any like all those guys who stink like i trade those away anybody who'd even give anything to me for those great like how many guys actually work out of those i'm glad you asked felix how many guys actually work out (laughs) Because in the C2C Invitational this year, I had two players that I took in the first two rounds of that, the pro supplemental draft. It was the very end. I was. I was the back end of this. 
and I took these two guys, and they are both absolute 100% contributors to my pro side team on the invitational side, which is two years. This is the first time for, we've, we've had a chance to do this. The first supplemental draft I did, right? And his example, and in fairness to him, his example was, well, who's good? Trey Lance is good. All right, fine. We'll take Trey Lance. And then that year, sure, Christian Watson is right. the example for this year. Yeah, that was two years ago with Trey Lance. Christian Watson this year is a good example of uh, um, a player because he's coming from the FCS level. And that's where it really has the most value is players from the FCS. So Christian Watson, if you had the number one pick, bro, you got Christian Watson this year. All right? In that pro supplemental draft, you had the number one pick last year. You had, you had Trey Lance. But even though you had you got Christian Watson, you know, and, and you also got Pierre Strong, third mm-hmm. round pick, right? At running back, maybe fourth, I want to say. Whatever. The Patriots took him, maybe fourth. Um, Pierre Strong, okay, that's a good deal, right? That's consequential. But it isn't just the FCS players that are of consequence that come up in those drafts. With the number 10 pick, I believe, I took Kansas City running back, <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco. That's slam dunk. Boom! With my second pick, I took Tennessee Titans tight end, Chikazia Okonkwo from the University of Maryland. Does anybody realize that Chikazia Okonkwo, this isn't, I can't believe more people didn't realize this is coming. And I'm not just trying, this isn't revisionist history because I geek out on tight ends. Do you know that at the Combine, sure, it's Chikazia Okonkwo. He's 6'2", 235, 240. So, like, he's he's on that small side is what they're looking at for that range. You want 6'4", you want 240, 50, to 265. You want Gronk, which is Mare. Mare is 265. He's Gronk, 65, 265. Okako 62, 235, 240. He's a move tight end. Did that with excellent third down in, in Maryland. He ran the fastest 40 time at the combine. Did you know that, Colin? I did not. I would have picked it as Jelani Woods because I know he blew up the combine too. Well, that's because he was. 265 270 pounds six True. foot seven and he and and I, again i was at the combine i'll be there again in part of my world tour gallivanting around <laughs> uh i interviewed johnny woods and i stood right next to him as you know i'm six three i'm two to two ten and i we play we both play basketball i'm power mm-hmm. forward i stood next to johnny woods he was the single most impressive human being that I saw at the entire 2022 scouting combine. He looked like a cross between the predator and RoboCop. <laughs> That's my cop. It's my cop for Johnny Woods, the predator and RoboCop. So look, he was absolutely, re- he is going, guess what? Get him. I tell everybody right now, if you can get him cheap, get Jelani Woods. It's the truth. And you are right. But no, he he ran a four sixty. He did like two seventy. Right. So like Okonkwo was in the four five. He was like four five. He was okay. right around four five four, something like that. But like it was him, him and McBride were the two closest. They were like right there. They're very very close. Maybe he was number two. But it was, Trey McBride went with the number one tight end taken. You know, he went second round and got to sit behind Zach Ertz all all season. Shakisi Okonkwo went out there and and said, "Bye, John. Oh, Jonah Smith." 
Oh, enjoy your $15 million contract by my hometown New England Patriots. Great job, guys. <laughs> well done. Oh, we're just going to draft Jacquesia Conquo in the sixth, seventh round. He runs a four or five, and he's a great third weapon, and he became Jacquesia Conquo. And now he's a guy who, frankly, is like a high end two. I think that's fair. Heading into next season, especially if the Titans go and get Derek Carr and like get a decent quarterback. So, my bone to pick with uh, Felix is. Don't sell those pro supplemental picks short. Guys like Rutgers running back. You played for Rutgers. What are you going to do, Isaiah Pacheco? We played for Rutgers. Yep. Bro, what are you going to do? Those guys are out there. Those gems are out there. Don't ignore those picks. I respectfully disagree with Felix Sharp. And that brings me into the bone that I have to pick of why those picks are valuable, Colin. And then we did talk about this. Those picks are valuable because – for some reason, which I can't understand because I believe in equality across touchdowns and also across league formats. Colin, can you help me out with something, Colin? I would love to. In both CTC formats in which I participate, right, which are run by my friends, Campus Ken, right, which I wear the T-shirt on my stuff. You guys know I'm a supporter, but it's my one bone to pick I got with you guys. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the NFL side of the CTC leagues, you can pick up any player anytime you want, any way you want to pick them up. You pick them up, you can drop them up, down. You put them on the injured reserve. You put them on a taxi squad, which is rookies. You have many creative ways with which to ply your roster with talent. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Thank you, thank you. And that's the pro side, right? Mm -hmm. It's pro fantasy football. Right, special. Oh, special. <laughs> More special. This is straight out of Animal Farm. Okay, so let me give you all a little <laughs> history lesson. It's called George Orwell, youngins. Pull up a chair. You're gonna sit under the Froton Learning Tree. Animal Farm by George Orwell, and it's about communism. And it's about what would eventually happen in USSR communist Russia. And it's when everyone is equal, but some are more equal than others and in the c2c world pro is more equal than c2c college fantasy football <laughs> let me explain you can do whatever you want on your pro roster as previously discussed you know how many guys i can pick up off the free agent wire with a 50-man roster in a college fantasy football league with 131 teams, how many players should I be able to pick up considering the pro side can do literally anyone they want and pick up a 1,000 players up, down, and all around if they choose? How many should I be able to pick up? How many do you think I should be able to pick up, Colin? I'm asking you. You are preaching to the choir here. I am pro unlimited waivers, so – and I'm I'm pro equality too, you know. Put 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 me in that camp as well. Um, you know, I you're a Renaissance man, Colin. Exactly, exactly. I am pro unlimited waivers, but there are a lot of leagues out there. What I think programs four pickups, five pickups, something like that. Oh, there's a lot of leagues like that. This isn't all right. As everyone knows, as as literally, I am the number one wrestling fan. No one, no one's, no one's going to beat me in the in the football wrestling community. All due respect to Jared Bailey, he's not even listening to this. He doesn't know. 
I'm number one. I, I'm going to go with the symbol of the greatest faction, the faction that started factions, the Four Horsemen. You can pick up four players <laughs> in both the Invitational and the program all season long on the college side. Okay? All right? Guess what, guys? I'm going to say this respectfully. Fuck off! <laughs> that's that's warranted. Uh, in the most in the nicest way possible. But I, I do, I, you know, in, in the point I'm making, uh, you know, there is a real point. Equality. Equality. Why are we, oh, I get four pickups? Oh, yes, master. Four pickups. Unacceptable. And it needs to stop. And every single college fantasy C2C lead going forward, need C2C specifically, we're talking about C2C, needs to eradicate that policy and make it right. That is my declaration. And that is the point I wanted to get across in this particular episode. If I'm going to sit in here and stand in for the great Austin Nace, my friend Austin Nace, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to give you exactly what I feel. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> I, I got to ask you, though, how do you feel about the payout structure? You all oh, have about the equality? Yeah. Oh, I, I no, I, I demanded if I was playing anything, it has to be 50 50. Equality? Every, I am about equality. What, how many times <laughs> do I have to say it, Colin? I know respectfully, I know you understand. I know you were just trying to tell the, you know, the audience, you're trying to get there. I believe in equality between the sexes, between the races, between gen everything, including pro and college fantasy football. I walk that in every facet of my life, Colin. 50-50 payouts. Uh, there's a lot of them out there that aren't. 60-40s, 70-30s. Um, they yeah, will not, I, I will not participate in them out of principle. I have principles, sir. I will never do a, a, a non-50-50 league, although uh, I do the program because i really wanted to do it and it's probably not 50 50 so i don't know i'm just saying that and i'm, I'm making a stance i probably already <laughs> i think that one moved to 50 50 i think it did, yes i think i think you, i politicked I yeah you might you, you might have gotten in when it was 50 50 hey what can't go on forever won't equality will always win out colin so why not start now why aren't we starting today this year all forward Going forward, all CTC drafts, equality. That is what I ask of you. I love it. And I will do everything within my power to make that happen as well. Uh, speaking of equality, though, I can't help but note. So you, you talked about your strategy for wide receivers. You, you target elite wide receivers at high uh, volume, power five programs. You target them early. It's even uh, more so for C2C. You, yeah. you, just, like, you really have to just inhale the power five wide receiver market. Like you, you really do have to focus on them more so than even in C CFF, which is something that I do again, because of the talent and, and the difficulty right. it is catching pass downfield and how it, hard it is, you know, going from the G5 to the P5. Right. Uh, you, if you can't get one of the elite, elite quarterbacks, the Caleb Williams, the, those top tier guys, you wait, you talk running backs, uh, you're willing to wait on them. You, you target the G5 programs like the next guy up there too. Um, 
or the number two guy in a strong power five program. Where exactly. It's maybe a little ambiguous. Exactly. Or a share, you know, it could be a share yeah, or even share. I'm telling you the RB twos as well. Look, Mafa yeah. and Mayan Williams. Cause sometimes if they're talented, the RB twos will either get a share or they're going to be in the mix. And then it's mm-hmm. just opportunity and having the correct traits and, you know, BMI, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and skill. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the name of equality, I can't help but notice you missed one position. Oh, the tight ends. The tight ends. We can't. We can't leave them out. We can't leave them out. Um, do you have any specific strategy here where you target tight ends? Are you a pro elite tight end early? You uh, a weight on a tight end kind of a guy? Target any specific offenses? Um. Oh, certainly some Iowa cranks up tight ends. Crank them up. Oh, it's unreal how good they are. Um, but when it comes to tight ends, yeah, I have like, I have a, a fetish for tight ends. Okay. Your Shiga Conquos. Oh gosh. I really enjoy, enjoy, like, I like breaking them down. I like doing them for like NFL draft purposes. I geek out on them. Love them. So I actually enjoy breaking them down and looking at them. So as far as strategy, it's just watching them. You know, sure, some uh, some programs are open better than others, but with tight ends, as we've seen, you get basketball players who can make that transition, you know, that have just – it's a certain physical way of moving and, you know, uh, dimensions that you have that only so many people have, you know, on in, on earth. Obviously, the same way with offensive linemen, but, like, with tight ends, it's a very specific – look and it's a way of moving in a way that they I have to look at them. I, I don't have as much P5 bias with tight ends. Okay. It's it's I, I it's the eyeball test a little more so with me. And I do will look at obviously advanced metrics. You know, you want to look at dominance factors, you know, if they're getting more work and why, but I need to see them. And guys that like my my TAE one coming into this year of for the 2022 class was Cade Otten. I okay. love Cade Otten. Love him. Cause he's just, he's six, five, he's two fifty five. Smart. Um, yeah. I, I got an interview with the comments. Like, Oh my gosh, he's brilliant. But um, you see him at Washington. He was injured coming into the combine. He couldn't test. He was walking with a boot on. He still went in the fourth round because his tape and just, the way you know they catch, the way they move. Dulcich was my cute, was my uh, tight end too. I love Greg Dulcich, and I he love was Dulcich too. He was like a two star prospect coming out of high school, who was yep. a wide receiver that chips off. I was like, I want you, you come, you. He he didn't have any FIFA. He was a preferred walk on, didn't get a scholarship offer, but it was like, look. I'm going to make you a tight end and you're going to be incredible. And you look at him and he's still at 240, 245. You know, he's 6'3, so he's not that 6'5 prototype, but I mean, he's still moving so fluidly. And like, I, I love the class they had last year um, because of that. But point is, I feel like I can evaluate that position in a way that I can get past the first player of the tight ends. And target them, and I, I can go in the in the late middle to late rounds, 
and identify guys that I like. So um, I feel pretty good about my my tight end ability. So I, I would say that I I tend to wait. I think in general, as you've seen in in these drafts, I tend to go a little later. Anyways, I think that's not a particularly you know hot take that no. they tend to go a little bit later than than most. That being said, I mean, and a good example of why, and we'll we'll kind of switch the CC Invitational, and this is as we want to dive into uh, the the supplemental draft that we had. So this mm-hmm. is the incoming freshman class for the C2C, our first one that we did, right? For this year, the 2022 freshman class. Right. And for you, and what you did is you took in the eighth round, Oscar Delp, Georgia. He's like a top four tight end prospect coming in the season as a freshman. And he is slots right behind Bowers and Washington. Washington moves on. He's his own deal. You know, he's 12 personnel, a super heavyweight tight end. And then you got the move tight end Bowers, who's still there for one more year. But then it's Oscar Delp's show. And then you got to think that you'll see plenty of Delp this year because you got yep. Washington out. Maybe he's able to slide in that 12 personnel. And you got him in the eighth round. And, like, who would you rather have than Oscar Delp right now in terms of that class coming up? Nobody. Nobody. So I think that kind of – it speaks for itself and kind of answers that question about how do you address tight end. Fuck, you take Oscar Delp in the eighth round. <laughs> like you did. Fist bump right there, Colin. Easier said than done sometimes, you know. Um, but, all right, I think – I mean, that really that really runs through everything that I had topic-wise here. But what is, last question here for you, the most important piece of advice you give to any CFF player trying a C2C league for the first time, just in general? Be prepared, at least when I was with the program, and I it, it was a little different with the Invitational, right, mm-hmm. as we saw. And right, that was got, quick. That was, was real it, quick. It was, it was quick, but it was more... Uh, upperclassmen heavy, and then with the program, lots and lots of freshmen, right? So, if there's anything you have to prepare for, the onslaught of power five players that are coming doesn't matter what the format is, doesn't matter a little older or a little younger, both formats it's C2C. You have to focus, load up in those first 10 rounds, power five guys. And then after that, again, and, and we talked about it, when you when you make that pivot, you got to wait till those double-digit rounds. But that's when you can start targeting those bankable G5 programs that develop players consistently and have good coaching staff, good uh, position rooms, and that you can focus them. And that's when you really should make that pivot to the G5. But you should almost, com- almost completely ignore the G5, unless it's really a special case, you know, um, because you're, you're rarely going to get, it's, it's the, it's almost like what I could call for recency bias, the Lou Nichols fallacy. (laughs) It's that Lou Nichols ran the ball 340 times in 2021, 340 times. Like the Maction, the Maction we talked a little bit earlier on Tuesday nights. I'm, I'm not kidding. You had like a 42 carry game. It was absolutely ridiculous. 
All right. Flagrant Jim McElwain. You know, he just <laughs> rode that kid hard and put him away wet, right? <laughs> but in the G5, like those guys who are your heroes, and, and I did talk about a little bit, you know, if it's just sort of like they come up and they're a little small at that 205, or like, you know, they don't have quite everything, you got you just let them go because they rarely have that second. It's it's unless they show those traits that you know are there, they very rarely have a repeat the way that they had that first big season. It just seems to work out that way. So don't, don't stick with the P5 for as long as you can. And then when you make the pivot, identify the right traits, you know, and the right systems who develop the right players. Man, that's, I love that. That is, it mirrors what I look at. I, I try not to take G5 guys early, but that's coming from more of a Debbie background. So hearing it from a CFF background uh, is. is and there's, sure. there's two, there's, it's kind of a two pronged, you know, uh, sort of approach though, that I look at too, because. It's also not just you have to do it, but presents a good buying opportunity where, look, you can go and you can take guys who have potential that haven't really carved out a role, but you can see the future with in those, you know, first one through 10 ish, you know, one through 50, whatever you want to do, one through 15, even if you've got 50 spots. So you can you can take shots on those guys who the young guys are coming up to have a a good 247 sports rating and you, you like the tape. Great. But there's also another reason why you don't do the G5 is because you'll see people do it, right? And you'll see people take guys in the G5 too early. And those guys don't perform. And then once they don't, it's a sunk cost. Because then you never, there's no hope that you get anything at the pro level out of them if they don't do it. It's just a one-trick pony, and it's so variable. And the examples I'll use just here, like Sincere McCormick yeah. in the 2021, he went third round, beginning of the third round. Sincere McCormick, worthless at, from a, you know, uh, perspective at the next level. You know, Kyron Williams, again, like he's just, he's, he's 195 pounds. He was, even though he's a, he's a power five guy, like it's just like, you know, he's super small. But you know, regardless, um, that that's just what you want to avoid. So mm-hmm. that's, oh, Lou Nichols is what I was looking yep. for. I apologize. He went seventh round, which out of 50, that's really, that's early. Kevin Marks Jr. I don't know somebody who, who did that. <laughs> Kevin Marks Jr. went in the seventh round. You know, got Buffalo running back. Dead on arrival. Dead on arrival. Demarcus <laughs> Bowman, good Lord, what are you doing? Remain <laughs> nameless. Ronnie Rivers, again, eighth round. Holy crap. The seventh and eighth round is a graveyard. A graveyard of G5 running backs here. And this is just two years ago looking at. So it's already like they're already toast. Yep. They're already fully cooked. Kamar Wheaton, SMU, right? Nighty yep. night. Nighty <laughs> night. And that's, and I got him. And that was me. He was at Alabama at the time. I took him in, in round nine. Hey, good job, Eric. You're not absolved <laughs> from getting, getting some heat, you dummy. So. That's um, I mean, if there's anything I can, I can say, like you look at that and it'll be the same. You're really treading lightly. Okay. And you got George Halani, who is he? 12th round. You can you can justify he had a good season. College fantasy football. He's Boise State, but man, it ain't happening. And good luck. Brian Kobach, 13th round. Already, already DOA. 
Chris Smith. He, he I saw him at the NFL oh, table. Good luck, Chris Smith. That one hurts. <laughs> Good luck. No offense. That ain't happening. You know. Um, and you can just I'll 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 let it go. I will stop belaboring the point, but that's that's the point. Camaro Edmonds. Oh my God. That's well. Thank you, Eric Froton, so much for joining me today. I really appreciate this. This uh, is everything I could have asked for in an episode. Look at this. Look, <laughs> oh, look at this. Look at how long. Look at how long this is. Oh, what is yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, I pretty much full screened the. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to think about. It. I'm just full screen and I'm looking. Oh wow, two eighteen. Yeah, oh. I, I mean, yeah. It, like I said, it, tons. Dude, you're tons on the East Coast stuff. too, I guys. Know. This is at night. <laughs> in the east coast i know that like my phone there's, there's people asking for it but once again i will leave you at at this you know i'll i'll help you on the outro one as it as if if you stayed this long i think this message probably resonates to you at some point and um that that message is something i'm very passionate about as as a lot of us in the community are college fantasy football is a sincerely i believe is anything you take away from this understand that I was like you, I was pro football a while, you know, until I, we literally, it's not exaggerated. We literally invented it. I didn't know it was a thing. We invented it, did it hands scratch. And from that point forward, when I started to experience it, if you embrace it, the experience of watching college fantasy football, being into it and, and experiencing and watching those games and having a full Saturday, it's just simply a more full, complete, rounded experience with more players, with more different offenses than you get on a typical Sunday because you just can't match the volume of games and it's good, diversified play. So if there's anything you take away, believe me, you, if you give it a shot, will love college fantasy football. It's incredible. Please give it a shot in 2023. Can't argue with that passion. Um Thank you. I appreciate it again. It's Eric Froton at CF Froton, the lead college football and NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports. He's going to be all, he's already been all over the place, going to continue to be all over the place this offseason. Wrote one of the best uh, articles that I've read this offseason so far, and by far the best Shrine Bowl uh, article. Such thank a great you. article. That well, was thank you very much. That was an unexpected compliment. I'll <laughs> take that. Thank you. I did put a lot, it was like 4,000 words. I put a lot of work in on that, and uh, oh, and it was on tell. site, and I do my best. So, thank you. It really is, it is nice to hear that you never know. Like with, right. with columns, you throw them in the ether mm -hmm. and you just never hear about them again. Yep, a lot of times it's just all right, there it is. I don't know. Hope yeah. like um, you, but definitely yeah, check that out if you're listening. Definitely check that one out on everyone on NBC Sports. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here tonight. Um, I'm Colin, <laughs> and have a good one.